Hello, welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. I am Pastor Witt, here with Pastor Dave King. Dave King, here. Happy to be here. Went through Acts chapter 4 this week? Yeah, it was a long passage. It was a wonderful passage. Long passage? Long Sunday. Long Sunday, yeah. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. Good things. Good things. Yes. For the most part, right? For the most part. Uh, so Acts chapter 4, anything before diving into the chapter that we need to know? All right, so when you think about Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4 is really a continuation of Acts chapter 3 and 4. So the, the healing of the man that was lame at the temple gate, um, you know, Peter looked at him and said, silver and gold I have, I have none, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And really this is the, re- the reaction uh, from the, those who are in the temple, their reaction to uh, the healing of this man. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a continuation of the story. Yeah. Uh, you had four, four points. Not four points. Four points. That's right. Persecution in the name of Jesus, people in the name of Jesus, power in the name of Jesus, prayer in the name of Jesus. Yep. What would you say, though, is the point of chapter four? Uh, you know, the, 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 I think the point of chapter four is um, the, the, the message that Peter gave, right? Mm-hmm. The two messages. The One, there is salvation in no one else. And there's no one... Or, no other name under heaven which men must be saved than Jesus. So the exclusivity of, of Jesus connected to the resurrection. That what you see in the power of healing of this lame man is the same power that's connected to the resurrection of the dead. That's the exclusivity of the cross. And when you face persecution, to be able to stand in boldness to speak the truth. right? Mm-hmm. To not cower before the authorities of the day, but to stand firm in Christ. So I think that's kind of the, the, th- the, the thread that weaves through this chapter. Okay, well, it says, verses 1 through 4, And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and a number of the men came to about 5,000. What's with the... So it's like verse 4 is kind of just added on there at the end. Why, why is that? You know, it's a, it's a good point. It, it almost seems like the chapter breakdown, right? Mm-hmm. It should have ended right there at, at verse 4, right? Because okay. that, that seemed like it was more of a connection to the previous um, uh, chapter in terms of the actual miracle. Um, I don't think it's an add-on, right? Maybe it could be like more of a summary statement, right? Mm-hmm. Like it did in the Acts chapter 2, right? You know, after Peter gave his, his sermon at Pentecost, it said, and three thousand were added to, to the right. to the to um, were baptized and added to the number that day. So yeah, I think it's more of a an add-on, maybe an add-on, but more of like a summary statement of all those who who wrapped up the day who saw the actual miracle. Mm-hmm. Five thousand men came. Now again, I said in the sermon, we don't know. Scholars debate whether or not this is five thousand um, new men, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or five, it, it brought the total number of men who believe from the day of Pentecost up to five thousand. Right. Um, it probably is men, though, here he's referring to, and not not people, men and women, um, based on other um, uses of this word in the, in the rest of Acts. So, uh, But again, I don't think that the, the main point is focusing on the number. It's focusing on the, the, the exact number of people, meaning it's a large number of people who believe because they saw a miracle. Hmm. You know, so. Is this evidence for church membership? Um, no. Why not? Uh, because the, this happened in public, right? Mm-hmm. It was a public miracle, and the people believed, right? 
I would say that if you look throughout the book of Acts, the book of Acts is all talking about church membership, right? That they then were connected to the body. Maybe the end of the, of the chapter where they all were together praying, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a lot more u- uniformity there, like them being together. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think this in particular yeah. references to church membership. I guess uh, keeping the track of the number of people that were coming to be saved, I guess. I yeah, I mean, I think, again, this is not specific. This is about 5,000, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I don't want to be dogmatic there. <laughs> but I do think that the, the church throughout history has always counted right, those who believe, because there's accountability, right, you count yeah. because you need to hold people accountable for the profession of faith that they make, yeah. um, you know, we don't want to just, you know, oh, this person believed, they took one step towards Jesus, we want to celebrate, no, we want to help them become fully formed disciples of Christ, right, Jesus says make disciples, baptizing, and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, so mm-hmm. they have to be baptized, and then they have to be taught. Yeah. Uh, I get, so your first point, the persecution in the name of Jesus, you see it here, right? They're being arrested, and then later, uh, just the, the Sadducees, the temple guards, yep. uh, beating them, releasing them. The whole, the whole passage is about persecution. Okay. Right? So all the way up, up to, to really all the way to verse uh, 22 is all about the, the persecution that they're trying to give the church because of this miracle. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to draw out that, that idea there at the beginning. Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So they had a problem with the resurrection from the dead. Yeah. And I, you know, I was in a conversation earlier this week with someone, and um, and they're just they're starting to have a conversation of discipleship with a member, not a member, but someone who's maybe interested in Christianity, and they just said, "Yeah, he really doesn't um, want to believe in exclusivity of Jesus. Like he's okay with Jesus, but he really wants there to be another way to heaven." Right. Yeah. And that just kind of gnawed at me all week long. Right. Mm-hmm. It happened, and uh, I just like, man, I just I couldn't get that out of my head. So when I was preparing my sermon. Why were they greatly annoyed? Well, they're greatly annoyed because they're speaking about the resurrection. Yeah. And what does the resurrection mean? The resurrection means that salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone, because God publicly, right, rose Jesus from the dead. So salvation is now in Jesus. If you want to be raised from the dead. It's in Jesus, because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus because of his resurrection. So that was just something that I wanted to really drive home, especially in our day of tolerance. In R.C. Sproul's uh, commentary in this passage, he talks about how a professor kind of chastised him when he was in college. How dare you, uh, someone who's really intellectual, how could you believe in being so closed-minded in your view of, of salvation? So I was like, that and my other comment that I heard earlier this week just kind of confirmed to me that I really needed to hammer that point home in the message. Mm, that's good. Now, people in the name of Jesus. Really, it's power. The next one was power in the name of Jesus. Oh, power in the name of Jesus. And I get that right there from verse 7, right? So it says, on the next day when the rulers and the elders and the scribes gathered together in, in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, all were of the high priestly family. Lots more there I could have kind of talked about, but I just kind of let it, let it sit. And when they had set them in the, their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's that the, the key question is is the power and the authority. The power, the authority. You could go back to the keys in Matthew 16, Matthew 18, the, 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 the power of Jesus in, in 1 Corinthians 5. But what authority do you have? I mean, how many times was Jesus' authority questioned in the Gospels? By what authority you know, do you raise this man from, you know, to forgive sins, just so that you know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. What did he say to the paralytic? Right, take your mat, rise up and walk. Right. So there's a the continuation 
So maybe that's almost a, that's a great kind of connecting because you saw that in, in, in Mark 2, and now you see it here, the same connections, the same power, the same authority. Jesus is still showing his authority on earth, um, but now he's doing it from, from glory at the right hand of the Father. That's good. Uh, now, people in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Well, where do you where do you see that in the text? So obviously, verse thirteen it says, "When they saw the boldness of, of Peter and John, and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, um, and they had recognized they had been with Jesus." You know, it was really kind of how do I? I was trying to figure out how do I kind of connect those two. I really kind of said, you know, the power of Jesus is really kind of shown in that in that whole entire chapter. Yeah. But I was trying to go on like in terms of what was happening. Um, really, I was thinking about our own church family. I know that right now we have people who are. Um, being pressured from their jobs not to share Christ, right? I know that one in the the past has been uh, almost publicly disciplined by their job because they wanted to share share the gospel. We have lots of teachers here and lots of teachers who want to share their faith, but more growing in administration saying you can't talk about Jesus, you can't talk about those kind of things, heaven and hell. And I, I really just wanted to say as a church family, you know, they can judge whether it's right for us to speak about God or not, but we can't stop speaking, Yeah. right? So the idea of people is that they were with Jesus, so there's that connection of wanting yeah. to spend time with Jesus in prayer and right. your own personal walk with God, but also that gives you courage so that you can actually speak for Jesus, right? Because that's what we're called to do is, as his witnesses. Okay, you referenced in there, verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. That's a great line. That's a it's a great it's a great line. Yeah. Well, I think about <laughs> we have to continue to drive that line home to our people because you would have never thought ten years ago that Christians would have not been able to talk about creationism or talk about Jesus. Well, yeah. now in, in our secular workplace, like in listen Rock Hill, even though we're um, our own municipality, Rock Hill is becoming more and more influenced by Charlotte and the culture of Charlotte, which is a lot more leaning left in terms of being open to every idea but Christianity, right? That, that idea of tolerance is, is, is really has, has, is, 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 is misunderstood, yeah. right? Um, so because in, in Rock Hill, if you have a job, you're going to be questioned by that. Yeah. But not even just that, lots of our, our members work for, you know, Fortune 500 companies, Right. And they're saying, you can't do this. You can't, you know, you have to believe in homosexuality. You have to be affirming of the transgender ideology. You can't talk about Jesus, you know. That's going to be happening more and more. And we as a church family just have to say, no, we, the people of Jesus, because we spend time with him and we know him, we have to say, we're going to speak. We cannot but speak. We cannot but speak, right? I mean... I mean, it's, it's, it's so clear throughout the New Testament. And, and listen, I mean, we're talking about on the back of all the stuff that happened with um, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan who said, no, I'm going to change my religion on my documentation because I am no longer a Muslim. I am a Christian, right? They knew that by doing that, yeah. they may have cost them their life. You know, even, you know, um, uh, our brother Samuel is listening in, in, in the room with us uh, from India, and, and he said the same thing about us. He said, listen, how many times do people are, are people threatened um, uh, and, and to lose their families because they made a decision to follow Christ, you know? 
I mean, it happens all over the world, yeah. all the time. And we as Christians in the West have not been forced to make those decisions. Yeah. Well, now we're being forced to make those decisions. Yeah. And like I said in the message, what persecution does, it'll show us, do we kind of believe in Jesus yeah. or do we really believe? And this is the thing. It's not just with persecution, right? Mm-hmm. I just think, are we going to be the kind of church that when we are inconvenienced, we don't follow the Lord. Mm. I think our, our struggle is not really persecution. Our struggle is that we don't like to be inconvenienced. Yeah. We have an idol of self. We have an idol of comfort. And our, our main job is not to stand against persecution. It's to, to love Jesus yeah. more than anything else in this world. More than your family, more than your sports, more than your, um, your, your careers, right? And, you know, you're going to be questioned, will you choose your career or will you choose Jesus? And the answer always should be Jesus. Yeah, it's kind of like, are you living for today or, or for that day? Are you laying up treasures in heaven or treasures on earth? That's I really, mean, what really would you good. say then? I mean, you, you interact with lots of people in our congregation, discipling some of our younger folks. I mean, what do you see as this idea of that, you know, how do you, how can you help them? What would you say to them to help them really know that they know yeah. the Lord? I mean, even the thing you're... While you were talking, the thing that was coming to my mind was, why was Peter and John, why was that the response? We cannot but speak of Jesus. I think it's two main things. One, they knew Jesus. They loved him. They cared for him. Peter, right, you see at the end of John, what does he do when he sees him on the shore? He jumps out of the boat and swims to the shore. Like, there was a deep, deep love for Jesus. Secondly, I mean, even the song we sang last night, the old, old story, I never heard that hymn before. Apparently it's very popular. I did not realize that. But there's that line in there. He says, because, you know, I want to tell the old story. Why? Because some have never heard. Oh, I started weeping when I was Oh, same. I, I broke down. I couldn't yeah. help it. Uh, but, uh, I mean, there are, brother, or, there are people all over this world, the things that, you know, I'm crying about, they've never heard. Yeah. Right? Things are... I can imagine that's going through Peter and John, right? They know Jesus. They know how sweet it is, yeah. what he's done for us. And there's some, it's not even that they've rejected. They don't even know. Yeah. And, and, then, so, and then even the next line of that song, I love this story, those who know it best. Hungry and thirsty. Hungry and thirsty. Yeah. Uh, man, I just, it was, it was, it was really gripping to me. And I think that. We got to start know, singing that song more, by the way. So even this idea of like, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus. The whole mm-hmm. idea of the message is like, okay. If you've decided to follow Jesus, he's your king, he's your mm. Lord. You have renounced Satan in all his ways. You have renounced this world. You belong to Jesus, you mm. know. And this was like a real conversation even around our, our lunch table, yeah. right? You know, um, you know, our, our children were like, well, if that happened, Dad, would, what would you say? Like yeah. if someone came with a gun in our house and they said, will you renounce Jesus or have your kids be shot? Well, my kid's asking me that, you know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. How was your lunch? <laughs> <laughs> How was your lunch at all, guys? Um, but the reality is, is that, you know, Jesus says he's number one. Yeah. And we're just, it was a lot of longer conversation about ethics and, you know, yeah. um, moral authority and that sort of thing, absolute right. truth. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to trust Jesus. We have to trust his word. Right. Uh, and God, God is good and he is wise mm-hmm. and he is sovereign. Amen. And we have to trust him. Yeah, that's good. So, um, your last point, prayer in the name of Jesus, prayer in the name of Jesus. 
Um, and then really, I mean, this is a wonderful prayer, and this is kind of even the comment you made to me. And he's like, hey, have you thought about talking about prayer in your sermon? <laughs> yeah, I had. <laughs> I had at that point. But he says, it's always, it's amazing how every time you see something miraculous happen in the book of Acts, it's connected to prayer. Right. And I just think that we just don't think about that enough. And of course, I talked about the, the, the emphasis of the prayer, the, he has good theology, sovereign Lord, the creator, and yeah. sustainer of life. So he's, he's going to, you are the ones who made the heavens, you're the one who made the seas, you're the one who filled everything. Right. Of course we're going to listen to you because you're the creator, you're the sovereign one, and these are the, these are little sovereigns, they're not the big sovereign. Right. right? And they know what's going to happen, why? Because the Psalm 2 that you preach, right? Why do the nations rage? Why mm-hmm. do the people plot in vain? Like, we know this is going to happen, and yet we're going to trust you. Yeah. Give us the boldness. And even this idea of like, they know they're fearful, Right. And like, guys, if you're listening, we know you're fearful. We know that you are afraid to stand up for Christ at the Thanksgiving table. You're afraid to say, Jesus is the Lord. And that if you don't bow your knee to Jesus Christ, you will perish. Like that is, that is a bold statement to sit around at the dinner table with family who doesn't believe, right? We know we're a fearful people. So we pray, God, give us the strength. Because the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us, right? We have the power of the name mm-hmm. of Jesus in us. We just have to have the boldness to speak it yeah. and then trust that God would, would use it in some way, right? But we really, again, we are not necessarily worried about being thrown into jail. We're just worried that people aren't going to like us, yeah. right? We're, we're worried of, of, of offending someone in our life um, because we care more about them than we do about the name of Jesus. And I think that's that's the real challenge I think we're facing. Yeah. And I think, I think that's why it, I find it so challenging is because it's so subtle. Oh. No one would know. Someone walk into your house with a gun, people are going to hear about that. And so it's like, here's <laughs> everyone's going to know. Well, it's kind of like the raised eyebrow, right? The It's like, you know, you, you might hold back. Why? No one would ever know. And that's where it can be even, it can be tricky because the no turning back, no turning back. I'm just turning back a little bit. You know, no, no one will know. You know, that's where I think it's, this prayer for boldness, uh, right? There's not government-sanctioned persecution at this point in Acts, right? It's the Jewish people kind of coming up. Rome is, has no idea that this even exists at this point. Uh, it's coming later. Uh, but even like First Peter is written with this idea of society. It's not government-sanctioned persecution. And yet, what does he say? It's counted joy, you know, trials. It's like, it's good for us. It's, it's good. And I think... Just, I really resonate with your message. You were talking about just now the Thanksgiving, because I think the persecution that's going to come up, it seems subtle, it seems small, but ultimately it indicates what's in our heart. Are we turning back? Because when the actual persecution comes, it's bigger. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an indicator of where, where we'll be as a church and society. Yeah. This is anytime we face persecution and suffering. It reveals what we really believe, mm-hmm. right? We see that in James. We see that in Peter, you know. And, and that's just going to be a real challenge for our own heart. Like, what do we really believe? And you know, you can talk grandiose, right? Like the the, the great story of you know Knox uh, saying and his family in India. Um, and really, the reason why that I'm even saying that is because a brother from India, and not not Samuel, but another brother said he shared that story with me. And like that story has helped many. Um, Indian Christians come to faith in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So in that moment, Noxing was just trying to be faithful, and yet he is in glory right now, and, and he is crawling out, right, in, in, in Revelation. Right? He's one of the one. How long, O oh Lord, will you avenge me? 
right? And the Lord said, just a little while longer. Yeah. Because that story has not been fully complete because more people need to be brought in, you know. So And it says more people must be martyred. More people must be martyred to die for the name of Christ. Yeah. So, yeah, so all, all, all to say, beloved, is that I would just encourage you um, to, to really analyze your own heart and say, okay, um, am I giving my life to Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. Is he my all? Is he my everything? And I just said that even about me, you know, I do lots of funerals and I think about my own funeral. Like what will people say at my, my funeral? Will they say, man, he really loved the Chicago Cubs. Man, he loved, he loved, he loved football. Um, he loved his family. I pray. I mean, those are those are all, all true statements. Um, <laughs> but man, he loved Jesus. Yeah. He he loved Jesus. He was gripped um, with that story that uh, Jesus Christ came and died for him and rose, and he wanted to give his life so that others would know. That's what I want people to say at my funeral. Mm -hmm. um, you know. So I just think about that for us. Life is short. You know. Um, and let's live for his glory. That's a really good place to stop. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> you saw me leading into a I preacher speak. I know. I'm, oh, man, that's so good. Okay, but the prayer is answered. Prayer is answered. Right. I think that's very cool to see here in Acts. They pray for boldness, and it says they are filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak in the Word of God with boldness. And it's not, it's not, it's, and it's, and listen, here's, here's even like, let me, let me blow your mind a little bit more. Ephesians Acts. Um, what? No, no. At the end of Acts, right? Acts uh, 20, 31 and 32, 30, 31, it says that um, Paul, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Yeah. Right? So the, the idea of boldness was something that, that Paul prayed for in Colossians, mm -hmm. we prayed for in Ephesians. The church prayed for it all throughout, and God just answers his prayer. So here, let me ask you one question to close. Where have you seen in the church or in your life God answering prayers? Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen it uh, all, all the time. You know, I mean, even recently, just someone who was sick that we prayed for that, that was healed. Um, I, I've seen when, you know, in our own church's life, I pray that, you know, I didn't see an evangelistic zeal in our congregation. Lord, give us more evangelistic zeal. And he brought the Hinson family uh, mm -hmm. to our church. And since they have been here, mm -hmm. our, our zeal for the Lord Jesus Christ in sharing the gospel has increased. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have seen God answer prayer after prayer, um, you know, thinking about our desire to, to reach his, the Hispanic community. Mm -hmm. Just seeing God bring us Victor and his family and Sole Deo Gloria and all that God's doing there. Um, you know, the other day I was uh, praying that you know, who are going to be some of the young men I can pour into. At the beginning of the week, I started praying that by the end of the week, I had, like, at the beginning of the week, I had, I had no names in my head. By the end of the week, I had eight. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, wow, I mean, the Lord really um, yeah. is always answering prayers for his people. Mm -hmm. Guys, pray. He answers prayers. Yeah. So, we close us in prayer. <laughs> yeah. uh, pray, uh, Lord, we just pray um, simply today that you would let the people of God of Park Baptist Church speak the gospel with all boldness that those who have not heard would repent and believe in Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.